Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England coming to you from the Fish Hunt Northwest studio located here in Olympia, Washington. And yes, as you may have noticed, once again, I am flying solo. Tommy, uh, take a little vacation, which is fine. Uh, long overdue and well-deserved for him. So we got a lot of content we'll be getting through uh, this evening. Great show lined up for you and many things to cover. And uh, we're going to do just that. We're going to get piling on through all this and bring you the content we put together each and every week. But before I get too far along here, I want to remind everybody, if you're joining us for the first time, especially here on Root Sports, uh, take some time, jump over to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. There you're going to find a coupon code for edge rods, edge fishing rods, 20% off all the time via the coupon code here at FHN. So the FHN20 gets you 20% off all edge rods, uh, 365 days out of the year, if those rods are all not, not already subjected to another reduced pricing uh, event. Um, also, while you're at it, uh, navigate from our webpage to all our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, obviously, uh, YouTube. Please get on over there and subscribe. Help us bump those numbers, if you would. Twitter and uh, uh, Instagram as well. Uh, very busy in all regards on all social media, trying to stay relevant uh, each and every week. So I appreciate the support uh, along with there. So since last Thursday when we did the show, uh, it's been a pretty busy week. Got on the road bright and early Friday morning, headed to the east side, the far southeast corner of the state. For those of you who have fished the Grand Ronde River, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it was a fantastic road trip. It's just nothing shy of a seven-hour drive. Um, trying to escape the wet weather that was forecasted, and it was a good call, although the warming temps that made it ideal to cross the pass at that time of uh, the year also had a little impact on those rivers way over there with snowmelt, rising rivers, and, of course, off-color water. So we had a couple days. Uh, buddies uh, Matt Messing and, of course, Mike Ainsworth joined me. Uh, we captured some great footage, thanks to Matt behind the camera, and I'm uh, going to bring that to you in the next couple weeks. But uh, pretty, pretty awesome adventure, long road trip, 11 o'clock, 11 p.m. arrival time home Sunday evening, but well worth it. So lots, uh, lots to bring in the next coming weeks in that regard. 
Gonna, gonna kind of expose a little bit of that here later on the show as we move forward. Um, and also a few other things that took place during this week, uh, my time home and visits in Olympia. So we'll get to all that. But uh, before we get too far along in that regard as well, we're gonna run down the show here. Got a busy night, gonna keep cranking along. Um, starting off, meet the new owners of Bogan's Oasis, exactly where we landed over there on the southeast corner with Tia and Luis Villagomez acquired the Grand Ron destination operation in June of 22. Not familiar with Bogans? Well, we hope to shed a little light on that as we get through this interview with them this evening. Uh, I'm gonna be back in the bait lab after that and tying from start to finish, tying and rigging the bobber dog and light rig as I refer to it. Showed you last week in comparison, a number of you had messaged and asked if I could break that down and tie the bobber dog and light rig. So we're gonna do that tonight for sure. Uh, gonna break it down once again, show dates and seminars um, coming up here with the sportsman shows and whatnot. And also how you can save 15% on all FHN swag as we get into those shows. Then I got a great guest lined up tonight, no stranger to the studio, a uh, friend and solid fisherman, Josiah Dar, Jadar Guided Fishing. We're talking Oregon Coastal Steelhead, what's going on and how it's looking as we move forward. Then we're gonna hold him over, bring him back for a second part. Jadar wants to break it down and talk about that Springer forecast and just how excited is he about Springer fishing? Uh, you're gonna find out. And then, as I had mentioned, I had went to Olympia earlier this week, <clears throat> met with a couple of congressional individuals, senators and representatives, and what did we talk about? What did we learn? And uh, why would I spend time in Olympia during legislative session? Uh, would like to just kind of bring you guys up to speed on, on some of that conversation, what I learned, kind of interesting stuff. So with that, we are gonna jump out for a quick break. We come back, sit down for a quick little interview, some insight on Bogan's Oasis with Tia and Luis Villagomez right here at Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. Hey guys, Dwayne England Fish Up Northwest. I'm sitting here in the presence of this young couple, <laughs> this young aspiring couple, Tia and Luis Villagomez. They are the now recognized owners of uh, Bogan's Oasis here in the Grand Ronde. Yeah. Since June, right? Yep. June of 22. Yes, sir. How's it feel? It doesn't Pretty. always feel real. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't always feel real. We're it, still finding our group. Right. It, yeah. Didn't really start hitting me until I was fishing every day, and I was like, "Oh, we are here." It's yeah. happening. Yeah. You so, know, so 
thanks to you guys, me and the guys uh, have been here for a couple days. Lou's fishing with you, and Tia, thanks for taking care of us. And you know, um, there's so much history here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, originally established with the Bogans name back in '48. Yeah. And now you guys are third owners. Yeah. Third owners, yes. And all that, in all those years, right? So. Right. You walk around this place and what you guys have done to kind of revamp yeah. in here and put your own touch to it is mm -hmm. impressive. Yeah. Thank but the you. history, the history on the walls. Yeah, there's a lot. Oh. That's a phone call. <laughs> yeah, we put the phone call away. Uh, <laughs> I know our friend Kim, you know, uh, did all of this for us. And so we were really lucky to have her because she is phenomenal with all of it. Um, and you know, a lot of people come in here to just to look at it. And so it's kind of a good thing to have. I didn't think it was an important thing in the beginning, but it's very important. History is very important for a lot of folks, especially yeah. an establishment like this. That burnt down in 2017. So this was a rebuild. They did a really nice job on it. But you know, the historical pictures, the black and whites are what get me. The late 1800 hunting photos on the walls, right? Yeah. Uh, women fishing in the late 1800s yeah right like it's just it, the history is so yeah amazing for this area and i mean you don't just kind of arrive here this is a destination yeah. so when you are here you know you better plan on being here for a couple days yeah um lewis we were joking about it earlier yeah. because the river conditions changed drastically the day before we were going to arrive but you don't just drive out here and go oh the river's punched so i guess we'll come back tomorrow <laughs> yeah right yeah. it doesn't right. work that way so uh, talk a little bit about everything you guys offer here as far as if somebody's going to call up and they want to do a guided fishing trip and whatnot, but there's so much more going on here than just that. What What is everything you guys offer? Oh, we've got five cabins and yeah. they sleep four people and so they're good sizes. Right. Electricity, right. bathroom with a shower and a toilet, That's always you know, good. microwave fridge and we've got lots of, we've got a big gravel parking spot so you can park your boats and trailers mm -hmm. or you can camp yeah. and um, down here, we've got a full-service restaurant. You can stop in and buy drinks, or you can get lunch, breakfast. Our cook is amazing. Ice. Ice. ice you can get ice here. Do you guys um, make lunches for persons to take with him in the boat if they want to go out on the river? Or? Yeah, but it, not in the same way as the previous owners. It okay. would be more like doing a to-go order. Sure. Um, but yeah. you can certainly order a sandwich the night before mm -hmm. or the, the day of. And, take it with you so you got the restaurant here people can get meals at you have the accommodations of cabins to stay in you have the shuttle or yeah. turnaround service yes talk yeah. a little bit about that that is a <laughs> that is a tremendous undertaking in itself it's pretty insane but you know it's kind of an up and down and, and it's one of those things where you know we have to make sure we have the people or the people the drivers some of those drives are long, you know. They're extremely long. It makes it very hard. That was a three-hour yeah. round trip for me yesterday when I did your shuttle. So when you leave here, if, if you launch here at uh, Bogans and you go down to Shoemaker, mm -hmm. your turnaround to take my truck down there and leave it and then come back in a shuttle rig is three-hour, mm -hmm. three-hour turnaround, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a number of those to do in a given day, you're going to need a couple people to assist with that yeah. because right. that's a lot of road time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but without you providing that, it'd be difficult for people to come and fish certain stretches of these rivers right now. We did that lower stretch yesterday, Lewis, we did the upper stretch today. Yeah. Yeah. And the guys are all in agreement. I mean, any and all of it is spectacular. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the positive thing about the upriver float is I'm, I 
I go to Troy every day, twice a day for the kids' school, this so I true. can always do an upriver. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, that works out well. So, well, congratulations, you guys. This is yeah. exciting, Thanks. right? Bruce, you've been coming here since you were a kid. Yeah, this is like the old, ultimate yeah. dream. On a high, you get such a yeah. fantastic woman to stand by your side and say, "Let's go chase this dream," right? Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys are well on your way. I'm excited to see you have big plans for this oh, yeah, place. Big plans, yeah. More things you're going to do, right? Oh yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I I think there's good and bad with such a long-standing amount of history, because I'm listening to you on the phone and go, okay, I understand that's how it used to be. Yeah. But. Yeah. And you kind of have to do that as a business owner now, right? Yeah. To survive. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it sucks. Moose gets to play the bad guy. So. <laughs> I'm always the bad guy, yeah. Well, I, yeah, well, when the restaurant's open, I'm the one down here being the bad guy. Yeah. But the thing is, the favorite things, like the milkshakes, you know, and yeah. and, and everything, we're still doing that stuff. And That's still, great. Still a good stopping place. And... Talked to a few of our friends on the way out here, and they're like, oh, you got to get the milkshakes, right? <laughs> there's, there's history with oh, the yeah. milkshakes here at Bogan, which yeah. is just, it shows you how unique and special this place is. Yeah, it's well, really, yeah. It's really awesome. Guys on motorcycles this summer from Canada come all the way down here just for Huckleberry milkshakes. Seriously. Like, they don't make Huckleberry milkshakes in Canada? I don't know. Apparently not. I don't know. Not like you get here at Bogan. <laughs> well, so. and, yeah. you know, the motorcycle ride. Yeah, true. Incredible. Ride. So, Incredible ride. Anyway, fantastic few days we've been here. Can't mm -hmm. thank you guys enough. Can't wait to see this place uh, in the next couple weeks when yeah. we're fully open and cranking up here. And <laughs> it's going to be busy. It's going to be good. Yeah. We're coming back. The fishing's going to yeah. just continue to get better cool. and better. March, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Steelhead? It should be getting... I'll be sending you pictures this week. Quickly run through your <laughs> season. So, I mean, we're in Steelhead now. you got smallmouth bass, but it just... Yeah, I mean, right, you know, we're at the tail end of the first big upriver push of fish and uh, that starts you know September and till about right now and then we're just getting the other run of fish for cottonwood here at the hatchery that we just fished by and then once that goes away then you got the bass which starts you know late June right, July right and yeah. lots of trout Lots of trout. Lots of trout. All kinds of trout. Great place to bring the wife and kids, families, oh, yeah. camping. So much to do here. Hiking yeah. when it's not too hot. Right? Mm -hmm. just, there's just so much. So, again, can't thank you guys enough. Looking forward to coming back. <laughs> yeah. Thanks right? So. And, uh, yeah, things to look forward to. Yeah. So, fantastic. All right. Make sure you look them up. Uh, website. Not yet. Check us out on Facebook or Check Instagram. Perfect. Right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Website's being built. Facebook or Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Oasis. Oasis. Fantastic. All right. So. Thanks, guys. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here, get on the road for home. We'll jump out for a quick break. We'll see you back in studio right after this. Allied, the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse china and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy-gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied Boats will have it for you. Contact Allied Boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. For more than 90 years, you've entrusted one brand to guide you towards living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Now you can entrust affiliated Better Homes and Gardens real estate professionals to interpret your needs and help you find a home in which to live your dreams through every stage of your home buying or selling process. And through every stage of your life, there's Better Homes and Gardens real estate. Expect better.
Hey, welcome back Fish Hill Northwest. We are here in the Bait Lab. Bait Lab presentations brought to you each and every week, or actually when we get to them, uh, from Sportco Outdoor Emporium. Pretty much everything you see on the table week in and week out can be purchased either in store or online. Check out sportco.com. So last week I walked through bobber dogging, showed two different ways or methods of rigging that in comparison. Kind of our old school with the stick lead and the bobber dogging float. This method here I refer to as bobber dogging light. Um, we're not using the traditional bobber dogging float. It's more of a vertical presentation, albeit your presentation does drag down near the bottom where the fish are gonna be lying in any particular uh, travel lane. So some of you had uh, watched this last week and messaged me up, asked if we couldn't break this down a little more and show exactly how to tie this. And so if I can get through this without, uh, yeah, messing it up, we're gonna do just that. As you've seen me describe before, running a top shot on my presentation, 15 feet or so, that can vary depending on time of year and if you're going after bigger fish out on the coast or later in season. So 15, 20, 25 pound uh, monofilament of your choosing is what I run for my top shot. And we're gonna tie on or slide on, first and foremost, our rubber bo uh, bobber stop. These rubber egg stops work really good on mono, so that's why I continue to use them because they grab really well. Gonna slide that up and out of the way, and now we just start assembling the pieces here. Gonna put on a small corky of a different color to indicate when my float has maxed out against my stop, okay? Put on my half ounce float. We're running a half ounce float in conjunction with a 3 8 ounce uh, weight because we don't wanna overweight the float and have it, you know, most of the, or the majority of the float underwater. So. It is, uh, it is somewhat of a vertical, albeit 45 degree, as it presents in the water. Half ounce float, 3 8 ounce inline sinker. We're gonna protect that, however, under our float, protect that knot with a bead. You can run a five or six millimeter bead, doesn't really matter. Now we're gonna tie on our inline sinker, okay? And so I'll do a quick knot here. This is the, uh, this is the majority of the weight you put into the presentation. And this is your, this is basically your casting weight. You don't want your inline sinker under your float be the weight that's dragging on the bottom because that will hang up. This, this lead is not designed to, to drag on the bottom with the swivels and everything and how much it weighs, that will hang up. So we're trying to fish that in a uh, position that keeps it up off of the bottom, out of the rocks, and isn't something that you um, have to worry about getting hung up. So cut that tail end off. All right, what I've previously attached onto my inline is this piece of monofilament. This is where we basically extend the working end of your bobber dogging setup. So again, I'm gonna run a lighter weight line here than I'm running on my top shot. If this is 20 pound, this is gonna be 15 or 12. I think I got some 12 on here. Uh, basically three to four feet. I land pretty continuously or constantly at about 40 inches. I like to run about 40 inches of monofilament underneath that inline sinker. Now, this is where your working end of your weight is gonna go on there. So um, this little piece of stick lead, it's about one inch. That's gonna weigh about an eighth of an ounce or so. Um, and this hollow cork is gonna slide on here. You can crimp that onto your line, or I simply put another uh, bobber stop on here. I'll grab this one, because <laughs> I can see it. So we're gonna grab that bobber stop I'm gonna slide that up and out of the way. We're gonna put on our piece of hollow core. Again, this is the weight that's down 
basically on the bottom and navigating its way through the rocks and bouncing along. And uh, this will grab once in a while, but it doesn't get hung up all too often, okay? Slide that out of the way so we can tie on our swivel. So now we're gonna put on a barrel swivel. I'm using a size seven. You can use a size five if you want. I wouldn't go with a 10, maybe summer run fishing, but that's getting pretty small. So we're gonna wrap this. Okay, so this is my 40 inch piece of monofilament, all right? And this is, again, the working end of that weight. Uh, down there, along the rocks, dragging, kind of like our stick lead does when we're running that, um, <clears throat> running that previous stick lead presentation. Okay, we'll cut that little tail off. Now I'm gonna slide this weight down. I'm gonna put this bobber stop right on top of it. Now, that weight sits right on top of that uh, barrel swivel. Again, this is the part that's dragging kind of down the water. So now, simply just tie on a bead, anything that you want to uh, bobber dog. You can, you can put on this end of the swivel, okay? So we're gonna tie this one on. Now, if you look at that first uh, bobber stop, up on the up on the top shot that has the float pinned right to the inline sinker okay um, that's my depth adjustment as well I can run it tight to the sinker which with a 40 inch um, extension and say a 18 to 20 inch leader you know now I'm getting I'm getting upwards of say uh, you know, four to five feet. Uh, this doesn't travel through the rod like a, like a slip bobber dogging setup, okay? It doesn't really travel through the rod. So if you're using a, a bait caster like I do, we got the float, 40 inches, um, small piece of weight and swivel, another 20 inches. So I got 60 inches or five feet hanging underneath that float that I'm trying to cast, okay? So it works well. Uh, again, I can grab this and I'm gonna pin this down. Um, it goes to that extension piece, all right? Um, and then it goes to that, that inline weight, and then it goes to my 20 inches to my bead. And I certainly could tie on a second inline presentation. I've been fishing this pretty consistently with uh, multiple beads in line. Simply tie that to your second hook. If you guys need me to show you that at some point, there's several different knots you can use to tie to your hook. To extend your presentation and float two beads or two presentations, rags, yarn balls, whatever, anything you can bobber dog, you can fish with this rig. This works really good in soft water, soft edges, shallow water, clear water. It's ultra light and it travels really well in minimal current and that's why it's so, uh, per, that's why it produces so well. All right, hopefully that kind of shows you guys how to rig that up, albeit uh, fast and, uh, you know, in and out. Um, we're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back, we'll be back in studio, closing out the first half of the show. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day -day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975 providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. This summer, 
Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. All right, welcome back here in the studio. Hopefully you found that uh, instruction to be something some of you were looking for, and uh, I can help you out in how to rig that and get out there and fish it because it can be very uh, effective. So before we get out of here, first half of the show, I want to remind everybody, hey, sportsman shows are coming up. You'll see the ads here on uh, Fish on Northwest each week now until we get there. Um, sportsman shows come, Puyallup show, February 1st through the 5th. Uh, that is uh, Wednesday through Sunday, as is typical. Um, in of course, they've asked me to do a seminar this year, so I'm gonna jump back in on the old seminar deal. Uh, Saturday, uh, 4 p.m. Saturday, 4 p.m. Doing a seminar on flatlining, downriggers, and of course, side planers. The evolution of my side planer program and how efficient it can be for large triploid rainbows and trophy kokanee. Now, if you attend the seminar, you're gonna get a coupon when we're done, 15% off all items at our booth. For the remainder of that day, if you're there in Puyallup on Saturday, attend the seminar, 15% off all FHN swag at the booth until closing on Saturday. So take advantage of that. Uh, they will be down in uh, at the Northwest Sportsman Show February 15th through the 19th. Yep, that's at the Expo Hall just outside of Portland. If you've never been to that show, you need to take full advantage and show up because it is a heck of a lot of fun. Lots going on there and lots to see. The boat show will be going on as well. Seattle Boat Show is February 3rd through the 11th. Tommy has five seminars this year, two or three that he's created just this year he's going to bring to you. So pay attention to that. Uh, the dates are out, and we're looking forward to having a good time. All right, it's going to do it for us on the first half of the show here on Root Sports. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you're tuning in this evening on the live stream, stick around. We've got some great content coming up second half of the show. We get back from this break right here, Fish on Northwest. It's the Washington Sportsman Show, presented by Leupold, February 1st through 5th. Shop hundreds of exhibits with show-only pricing on fishing and hunting gear, boats, archery, wildlife art, lodges, resorts, guides, and outfitters. See Brett Stoffel's Outdoor Survival Clinic, presented by Western Washington Toyota Dealers. Enter your trophy in the Head and Horns competition. And don't miss the Lumberjack Show at 1 and 3 p.m. daily. For everything outdoors, start here to get there. The 36th Washington Sportsman Show in Puyallup. Hey, welcome back here in the studio as we get into the second half of the show. Got a great guest lined up this evening, not a stranger by any means, Josiah Dar, JDAR Guided Fishing, www.jdarguidedfishing.com. And uh, glad to get you back on here, buddy. It's been, it's been a, uh, you know, I don't know, a year or so? Yeah, it's been a minute. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I know you had a long day grinding it out there on the coast, chasing after steelhead, which we are talking about this evening, and uh, barely got home in time to make this happen, so I appreciate your effort, bud. Yeah, no, 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 it was good. I'm glad to be here. And, you know, I had some, had some pretty cool guys today and it wasn't raining for the first time in like weeks. So it felt good, you know, staying out a little longer. I asked you before the show, I mean, we've been just hammered with rain down there on the Oregon coast. You have been as well. Rivers are up a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the conditions you've been fishing. And this morning, I don't know about where you were at, but this morning I walked out, it was freezing for the first time here in a number of weeks. And so then the long-range forecast, looking at uh, these rivers, things are going to start dropping. So I'm looking forward to that. What have you been uh, fishing through as far as water conditions, and what do you what do you think you're looking at now moving forward? Honestly, it's been pretty big to water all year. We've had a lot of rain. I mean, it seems like eh, almost every couple of days we get another half inch, and it's just kept the water really, really high. Uh, that being said, it's been green. I mean, when it's that high that long, it kind of washes away all the dirt. So yeah. it's been fishing 
a lot of water. Yeah, so uh, what's your approach? You finding these fish pushed up against the soft edges, inside corners? I mean, what's kind of been the program? Where are you finding success? You know, a lot of guys are fishing, you know, the Wilson and the Trask are pretty top popular, you know, the Kilchis fishes. Um, and then, you know, there's a handful of other little creeks and stuff. But most of the time, we're just banging tail outs. I mean, just sitting there in the back ends of holes, you know, trying to get movers, trying to find spots that are, you know, fish are sitting still. Yeah. Or, you know, might sit still for at least a second or two. Um, I know some guys are pulling plugs and getting them, you know, just kind of in, almost just sitting on them. But I've been bobber dogging, um, you know, pretty much every day. Uh, one thing that's kind of funny is I haven't really changed my lead if as I would if it was, you know, low water. I kind of had this conversation with my guys today. We're still fishing, walk, you know, trying to find walking speed water, even though the river's ripping. So right. I don't necessarily club up a bunch of lead because the water's high because i don't fish the stuff that needs that lead you know that's a good point. Kind of... yeah that's a good point you're not going to find your steelhead on a treadmill right we're going to find them like in that walking speed water as you uh denoted and that makes sense some guys will go heavy lead and start chucking to the to the fast water sounds like you're finding success just uh sticking with with the normal program finding that soft water and that that uh slower moving stuff yeah i mean anything that's got a big rapid below it or a pretty good shoot below it you mm. know the fish got to work Harder, so those tail outs right above that often are, you know, are holding fish. Uh, yesterday, I got a handful in like some big, flat, wide, you know, actually today too. I mean, almost everything I'm getting is almost almost nondescript in water that at low water, you might just float right over. I mean, just because now it's been high and some of that stuff that was two feet deep and super clear is now four feet deep and green and is about the only stuff that's really holding them. Yeah, yeah. It's nice that you're able to maintain the color, even though you've had a, you know, pretty steady uh, uh, amount of water on the flow and the gauge has stayed up, the flow has stayed up, but the color's been, sounds like, pretty ideal. Who doesn't love steely green this time of year, if you can find them? Um, you mentioned bobber dog and Josiah. What, uh, what are you dragging? What are you presenting to them? You using bait, beads, what size of beads, color? What's been kind of getting it done for you? A lot of these. <laughs> a lot this of these? Just... At a yarn ball? This... This is just a little tiny glow bug, uh, you know, glow bug style yarn ball. Oh, yeah. All little yarn balls, um, a lot of soft beads. I mean, I got my roll sitting right next to me. I'm literally setting my stuff up for tomorrow. Right. You know, I got a roll, just a roll of pink beads. You know, these ones are a little bigger. Most of these are 20 mil, um, 20 mil, 16 mil beads. I don't really care about, you know, I try to go really small sometimes because the water's lower, clearer, this or that. Man, I've caught them on 20 mil beads in like gin clear water. Yeah. I don't think much i just like the fact they can see them they stay off the bottom well you know they don't drag as hard because they're a little bit profile i think they scoot along a little better so i usually use you know 20s and 16 mil beads and uh you know yarn balls are super buoyant um you know that's been kind of the ticket i you know we can fish bait down here and right. i do fish it but i haven't been like it's not like you know i got eggs so i'm just creaming them on eggs or something <laughs> that's not the all i've been doing just as well on you know i'm mixing them in too but i'm doing just as well on uh yarn balls and beads as I am on bait. Yeah. You put any scent on your artificials, on your on your beads or indoor your yarnies at all? Ah, there <laughs> you go. <laughs> that answers that. I find that when I add, you know, I use a lot of uh, Alice Mike's, of course, is what I is my go-to. But anytime I add that uh, oil-based uh, scent to my yarnies or some type of uh, yarn ball or even a rag, it certainly increases the buoyancy just because of that oil base in the water. Yeah, I, I don't really, you know, the only thing I tell my guys is to just not go crazy. You know, if they're having yarn ball, I leave that up there in the front. I said, guys, just like 
squirt, squirt a tiny bit on your fingers yeah. and then just run for a second. You, you right. know, back to my bottles half gone. I don't think they've listened very well, but <laughs> not that big a deal to, you know, just a little teeny bit. You're in the game. Uh, Steel had a pretty sight feed, it seems like, but um, yeah, no, I, you know, I do it just because I feel like it doesn't hurt your cause, but uh, I do like it. You know, anything shrimpy, anise seems to work pretty well. Now, some of the some of the stuff I run, you know, obviously there's different buoyancies depending. And you had mentioned on those 20 mil beads, you know, they kind of stay up a little bit. Maybe some of your 12 mils with the hook size and whatnot drag down a little lower in the water column. If I'm using rags, definitely uh, an increase in the buoyancy and how much they'll be up off the bottom. So. What do you typically uh, use for leader length? I see a lot of guys out there using extremely buoyant lures and running like a five-foot leader on their bobber dog. And, and to me, they are floating those things way above the fish where they need to be. What's kind of your go-to rule in regards to figuring out leader length? I, you know, when the water's high, I usually fish them a little shorter. Mm-hmm. So I got to kind of keep the fish are in the rocks a little more when the water's high. Um, if I'm fishing something that's, Nice, like boy, like just a yarn ball, like something, a little small yarn ball. And I'm dragging hard. It's one thing like about the Wilson and the Trass that's, you know, a little different than when I've like gone up there and fished the OP and stuff like that. We drag pretty hard down here a lot of times when, yeah. our, when we're docking. Yeah. Get away with it because these, these rivers aren't quite as bouldery, at least down in the lower ends. So I drag pretty dang hard. If I'm dragging hard, hard like that, I like that my leaders a little bit because I know my stuff is still staying down. Mm. And I like I like the fact that it can move around and wash around. Um, if I'm fishing them um, up in the mountains or somewhere that's a lot more rocky, I don't drag them as hard. I definitely fish my leaders more like 24, like 40, if I'm dragging really hard. Yeah, makes sense. All right, quickly before we wrap this up, talk a little bit about uh, this is predominantly a broodstock program, no longer really a hatchery program on the rivers that you were mentioning. Is that correct? Yeah, most of them are broodstock. We don't have any hatchery plants. I don't think it hardly, I don't think we have, other than like a few North Fork and Halem and maybe Big Creek, a few other small creeks. Uh, that being said, that we got some big fish. I mean, I got a, I've got two hens this year that are like nice mid-teener hens, you know, gorgeous fish. Um, one of them was today. Uh, nice. And then I saw a 20.2 or 20.4 pound hatchery fish today. Um, that's not, you know, that's a direct descendant of a broodstock program. Sure. I mean, that is, that is not an early returning Thanksgiving LC strain or whatever they call them, little brat. That is a big big kick-ass fish that's pretty cool right right yeah nice to see they're doing so well uh was the preseason forecast pretty ample for those rivers that you're uh, talking about here on the Oregon coast uh you know i don't really look too much into my steelhead forecast because it's i i've just noticed on my it's been across the board yeah you know really good really good summer chinook really good coho fishing you know awesome fall fishing in the river you know all those things lined up just tells me the ocean was good uh i expect it to be i expect it to be pretty good the rest of winter you know, when that kind of stuff looks good, I just, I think we're going to have a good winter, you know. Yeah. So far, so far we're getting there. We, first day today was the first day the Wilson was, like, not raging high. And I saw some fish caught today, saw heard some fish on the trask, and know some fish were caught on the kilches. You know, and those are just the three main ones. There's a million other little rivers that, guys, that we don't guide because you can't float them that have sure. been great. They're great. I mean, there's some great fishing. I wouldn't fish those every single day if I didn't run clients. I would go do sneaky stuff. <laughs> yeah, get away from everybody else. So, uh, solid information on the steelhead front here, coastal of Oregon. Uh, don't go anywhere. You kind of segued 
via the ocean conditions, ample returns on a number of our fisheries throughout this past year. We've got a Springer forecast that has got uh, everybody pretty excited. So you're going to sit tight through the break. Uh, we'll jump out for a minute or so. We'll come back. Guess what, Josiah? We're going to talk about one of your favorite fisheries. Prior to summer Chinook, we got to get through these spring Chinook, and uh, you and I got to have a conversation about it. So don't go anywhere. We'll jump out for a quick break. We'll be back right here with Josiah Dar, Jadar Guided Fishing, right here at Fish on Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride in Bremerton, Washington. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why Arima boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. Arima can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by Arima boats today and let them help you get into your very next boat. All right, welcome back here in the studio. We just finished up with uh, Josiah Dar, JDAR Guided Fishing, www.jdarguidedfishing.com, talking winter steelhead coastal, Oregon coastal steelhead. Now, Josiah is back, and we are going to talk about this 2023 Springer forecast. What did uh, what'd you think when you saw that initial number, buddy, for the overall uh, opportunity at 307,000 Spring Chinook coming back to the system? Honestly, man, that, that if you grew up here where I grew up, you know, on the lower channel, Bapoos, Willamette, San whole area down here. I've been fishing these since I could. The, the thing I like literally learned how to fish on, and I don't remember the numbers being that good since I was in high school. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I, mean, I remember high, we used to just clobber them. Uh, and there's been years where it's way tougher. We've had shutdowns. We've had that Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Like, there's been on and offs. Definitely, there's been peaks and valleys. But last year was good. I mean, last year I felt like I did well. I was really happy with just the way the season went uh, clients went all happy lots of good mornings and if it's better than that this year it's going to be awesome i mean it's it's going to be good yeah i agree and the the number come back to willamette for you looks pretty favorable doesn't it yeah i mean the willamette numbers are up quite a bit um you know down where i got where i'm at most of them got to go by me to get anywhere else so you know we get a good crack at them down by my house and then you know, our perk is we also have the Columbia right there. So when that's open early, and I'm not sure how long it's going to be open yet, but with the projection, maybe a week longer than usual, just, I guess we'll see. Yeah. But, that, you know, being able to do the Lamet and the Columbia right down here um, is a really, it's just nice. It's good fishing, you know, and Springer fishing is just such a, like a, it's so like spiritual and that, you know, you're hanging out with the <laughs> right motors. Everyone's just kind of low key, like, you know, the Willamette, it's kind of, I wouldn't call it sleepy, but it's just kind of a sleepy fishery. But man, you know, when a rod jumps in, it's springer fishing. You know, you, you land an eight pound hatchery steelhead, that's pretty exciting. You land a 16 pound springer, you're way more pumped about it. Well, and if you land a springer, if you're fortunate enough to get into a few of them on any given season, you really feel like you've accomplished something because it's not easy. In that time of year, the weather can be problematic. I mean, I have fished springers on the Columbia and full on hailstorms. And, uh, you know, snow and just uh, really nasty conditions. You really want to get that first springer in the boat. And sometimes, man, it is a grind. But uh, I get excited when I see the numbers coming back, as, as we've mentioned here. And, and comparative to last year, how good last year was. And even as we got into the tributaries later on in the season, May and June, Bobber and Aganet, and how stuffed some of those tributaries were. Look, if this thing really comes through on these numbers, and... Who knows? Much like all the other fisheries they forecasted last year in 22, everything came in way under uh, on projection and to how it performed. So if they're if they're a little shy on the Springer run at three 307, I'm good with that too. 
Um, talk a little bit about that area you fish. Predominantly an anchor fishery for you, troll fishery, back and forth depending on tide. How do you how do you gauge your day? Seems like when the Columbia is open early, pre you know before it closes, whenever it closes, seems like that's a troll show. Water's cold. Um, fish are kind of sporadic. There's not a ton of them in there. There you know early April is usually when it closes. So you're trying to cover ground. You know trolling herring, the flasher herring combo, um, pretty standard. You know little green labels, red labels, just good spins. You know near the bottom is pretty much the ticket. Most of that, you know, downhill trolling, you know, moving fast, covering lots of fish. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a handful of co corners in the river that are pretty good ambush points that, you know, get, get beat on pretty hard, you know, for whatever reason, those fish just make the corner and inside bend or something. Um, the channel's the same way. 99% of the channel is troll herring fishery. When it's really flooded seasons, guys anchor on the edges and get them. Uh, there's always a handful of dudes anchored random places then they do get them but um the guys that really put in numbers on a pretty good basis are really grinding herring and fishing hard because the channel's a little tricky it's it's got a lot of up and downs and a lot of snags and you kind of got to know your way around yeah so let's talk a little bit about your uh herring and troll presentation you coloring them up you adding any different scent to your herring you just fishing a naked bright shiner that's been brined and toughened what's kind of your go-to um I definitely brine 95% of my herring. Um, Procure and Northwest Bait Sense make really good herring brines. I've used them both a lot. Uh, I, they're probably the same in the jar. I don't even honestly know. <laughs> but if I, I, have the, I have the benefit of getting to fish five or six rods a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. So definitely mix them up. The other thing that you guys got to realize, and this is a huge deal, is you can run two poles in the channel. So, you know, if you and I go out, we can fish four rods. That right. makes a monster. So I try not to fish, you know, six things, six of the same thing. Uh, I feel like fish are a little bit like people in that, you know, not everybody has the exact same taste. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all ballpark, but I dye some of them chartreuse. I dyed in blue and done really well on blue baits. And then I'll leave a lot of them just naked chrome, you know, regular herring colored. Um, last year I did well on chartreuse baits. I've never done as well on chartreuse baits as I did as, as I did last year. This year could be a totally different program. Um, I'm not like sold on it by any means, but I definitely like a little bit of salt and a little bit of that brine powder from one of the two. And then as far as anise and all that other stuff go, all the other scents, um, it is, these are really fresh fish. Most of them, you know, springers are screaming up the river. Yeah. So I don't I think you can overdo it. I, I think they're one of the few ones where I think you can overdo it with a little too much. Sure. Um, a lot of the guys are good old school frozen dry popsicles right out of package. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I definitely think you can overdo it. I definitely try not to go crazy on springers. And right. I, I think, you know, I, obviously five, six rods, you know, you want to do one that's got some few drops of anise in your brine or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? But I, I don't on those ones. No, I try to keep it pretty, pretty natural, pretty tight spins. And for God's sakes, when they get bit, leave them in the holder. Right, right. Yeah, don't grab that rod too early, man. Let them bury it and start peeling line. Uh, real quickly, a little bit on your anchor fishery. If you do decide to anchor, what kind of depth of water are you looking at? Um, and try to maybe explain how, how you pick a spot and setting up for anchor, give people a little bit to go on when they're trying to decide if they're going to anchor or not. If I'm anchored in the Columbia, it's one thing. Um, it's kind of hard to just, well, it's not, it's pretty simple. So if you have a ledge or a channel and then it, it falls off, yeah, I'm not trying off this back of a hill. I'm trying to fish on the edge of the ledge, right where it elbows off. Sure. So if you have, I will just say for argument's sake, it's 12 feet deep and then it tapers off. Somewhere where that thing starts its taper, 
you know, maybe it goes from 12 to 60. It could be the edge of the channel. Somewhere on that line is, is where those fish are cruising. And it takes a day or two to figure it out. You know, last year the water was astronomically high later in May and June. Mm-hmm. And I was fishing even water, right, you know, half the year. Um, but little tiny ledges, little tiny ledges sitting on the sides of them. And like I said, I'm not mean fishing off the backs of ledges. I mean literally fishing on the sides you know, on the sides of ledges. So your stuff is on that line. And that's always been the ticket. I'm a lot of the stuff I fish, I fish the same exact spots I fished in high school. I mean, the same ledges, maybe a little different places and learned a few things as the water gets higher or lower. But for the most part, it's all the same characteristics. It's the, the sides of ledges. Fantastic info as always. Um, hopefully you got person's attention. www.jdarguidedfishing.com. How can folks get a hold of you? I know you have a few open seats. For spring chinook as you roll into your season your steelhead season is pretty much done for as far as bookings but let's talk a little bit about some vacant seats here for springers and how folks can get a hold of you and make sure they get out on your boat um obviously you know pretty easy on facebook that's a simple one um i always tell guys you can always jdar guided fishing my website you can reach me on there it'll send me an email if you fill out a little form with a little information you know, I never mind if you guys, if people have my number, I tell them all the time. I said, don't, don't bother. You can text me. It doesn't matter. I don't mind a text message. I can get to it when I can, um, you know, but absolutely reach out. Uh, man, that springer fishery is so cool. And, and you know, we got that 20 while on. Sometimes we put burritos on the heater. Um, you just sip the coffee. I mean, it's a cool fishery. It's low key. Um, and I know this isn't for everybody, but just for some people. You know, sometimes I have kids and we quit at one o'clock and we sit there an hour and a half and you pull on surgeon till you can't move anymore right. that time of year. Right. Or just for as a kid or someone's never seen a surgeon. Yeah. Well, here you go. Here's 15 of them in an hour. Hope your arms are ready. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you got some options, man. You got some seats available. So hopefully folks reach out. www.jdarguidedfishing.com. Get them on Facebook. Uh, text them up. We flashed a number up there earlier. And if you can't locate them, locate us on our Facebook page, and we'll give you direction. Uh, Josiah, always a pleasure, my friend. Good to see you, and we'll be in touch because I'm going to come down, jump in that boat, and give me a give me a big old fatty springer with you. Uh, absolutely. Come on down, and thanks for having me, guys. I am super looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Have a good night. We'll talk to you soon. All right, uh, Josiah Dar, look him up. The guy is, uh, is a class act, solid, solid fisherman in all his fisheries that he's out on, and he definitely puts a lot of smiles on social media, typically folks hook, uh, holding on to really nice size Chinook salmon in all the fisheries throughout the season that he hits on the Columbia in that area that he, uh, that he has dialed in so well. Uh, you will not waste your money on a day on the water with him. If nothing else, if it's a finicky springer bite, you're going to learn a ton fishing with a guy like him. Okay, going to jump out for a quick break. We come back, a couple uh, points to uh, get through. A little trip to Olympia earlier this week, and why? Who was I talking to? Kind of interesting uh, information I brought back with me. We'll get to all that and a little bit more as we wind down the show right here, Fish on Northwest. All Defiance boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why all boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. All Defiance boats come standard with large fish boxes that are fully insulated so that you can ice your fish properly all day. All Defiance boats are foam flotation filled and unsinkable for the ultimate in safety while fishing offshore. Before you buy any boat, stop by or call Defiance boats today to ensure you are getting the very best glass boat your money can buy. 
All right, welcome back here in studio as we wind down the show for this evening. Um, couple couple meetings I had earlier in the week that I had uh, scheduled and and found my way into Olympia around the state capitol building. And if you've never walked around that campus, even just walking around outside, it's uh, it's pretty impressive to to be in and around where all the, the governmental uh, decisions are being made and where you know things are going on especially right now very very busy lots of people around lots of state patrol in the area because of all the persons attending people's taking back to taking tours and things we're long past covid so it's uh, it's a bit of a buzz over there during lead session and uh, there's a lot going on um a friend of mine tom moonen reached out and said uh, hey uh, what do you think about going and sit down meeting with senator uh, kevin uh, vandaway uh, you know, and have a discussion on a number of things that you bring up on the show here as it pertains mostly to like commission and appointees and those types of things. I said, absolutely. So we set up a time and Tom and I met and we got to go uh, sit down with Senator Vandeway. And I want to thank uh, Kevin Vandeway for taking time out of his busy schedule to uh, sit and let us uh, talk. And basically, I kind of want to just talk to him about some ideas I've been kind of kicking around and bounced off a few other people, Brian Blake to name a few, and trying to come up with a resolve or a different path of how we arrive at getting commissioners on the Fish and Wildlife Commission. The appointments by Governor Inslee as of late uh, have been frustrating to say the least. The last five appointments kind of uh, fall within what seems or appears on the service to fall into some type of agenda. Uh, it's very frustrating for those of you that follow us here on the show and Tommy and I talk about it often and as we're sitting right now there are two vacancies technically there's three but uh, we're pretty sure Barbara Baker is going to be reappointed as the chair so there's two positions that became vacant as of midnight December 31st waiting to hear from the governor's office who those two individuals being appointed into those seats may be now there's a process for selection there are many groups within this state fishing and hunting who weigh in, give recommendations, give supportive direction to the governor's office in his, his opportunity to select persons to appoint them to the seats on the commission. And uh, it seems as of late, the last several years, it falls on deaf ears. He appoints, just handpicks who he wants. That's his prerogative. Um, it hasn't been working out real well for those of us that walk this path of enjoying hunting and fishing so much in this amazing state and what it truly could be if it was managed appropriately and decisions and policy being drafted from the Fish and Wildlife Commission being handed to uh, WDFW to manage our, our resources. If that was all on the up and up and being, you know, and if it was like with the right intent involved, I think. So a little concerning on who's being appointed and you know, I had questions about the process overall. Um, how about, isn't there a timestamp, as I asked uh, Senator Vandeway, isn't there a timestamp well, once they've been appointed to where the Senate committee, understand that um, Senator Vandeway sits, he's the chair of the Senate Agriculture, Water, Natural Resources, and Parks Committee. I know that's a long title, but that covers a lot of uh, natural resources. He also serves as Senate Ways and Means Committee and the Senate Health and Long-Term Care Committee. So he's very busy oversight on some of these committees and his involvement. He also sits, you know, within that is the the committee of seven who, if they're, if they're you know, obliged to do so, they, they confirm those who are appointed into the commission's seats. Now, he, he uh, let me understand that they really have not confirmed a commissioner in their appointed seat since 2017. So in other words, the governor's office is appointing commissioners to the commission 
the uh, the Senate committee is not confirming those seats as of 2017, and there is no timestamp to say, well, if they're not confirmed within a year, then they are removed and the governor's office needs to appoint a new individual. So if uh, I was informed that if they tried to push something through that in legislation, even if they got full support, came out of committee, it was voted on, a bill was passed, it landed on the governor's desk to put a timestamp of a one-year time frame on these appointed commissioners to be um, confirmed by the commission, by the Senate, uh, Inslee would veto that bill, okay? so. That right there to me is, a, is a, another indication of a power grab, just totally not willing to budge on those types of ideas coming across his desk. Also, in discussions of trying to see if we can walk the path of removing the appointments out of the governor's office into some other opportunity. Maybe the people of the state should be voting on the commissioners that get appointed to Fish and Wildlife. Fire commissioners are voted on, port commissioners are voted on, commissioners in Fish and Wildlife, if it was broke up into a certain geographical region and it was put in through a process of whereby people are, uh, you know, put their names on the ballots and then they are voted into those seats. Now look, I know there's good and bad with that. People can dump a bunch of money into a political campaign and get the, get the front horse out there running and, and land that spot. I get that. There's those that say, hey, let's not make this so political. Well, I'm here to tell you, the Fish and Wildlife Commission is already political. It's about as political as it gets, especially with the last six years or so in these appointments coming out of the governor's office. So just having those conversations with those in the position in Olympia to make those decisions and try to come up with other means of finding our way of getting commissioners into the seats that represent the people of Washington State, that represent the recreational community, those of us that have a passion for fishing and hunting. Because as of late, this uh, one ideal individual who's assigning persons into this, and there's no way to remove them, uh, basically, they could they could find them and fail. Uh, the, the the Senate committee could say, uh, nope, we're we're not uh, we're not happy with this. And there is a process for removal, although it's kind of daunting. And, and the governor would never buy off on that as well. He also is not going to approve anything in the next two years while he finishes out his final term, I believe. Um, if, if something was to get pushed across his desk to say, let's put it in the hands of the people, let's put the commission assignments to the vote of the people, let's break it up into regional regions or you know some type of breakout uh, throughout the state. Um, if that was to pass through all the processes here in Olympia, and it takes a couple years to get this done. That's why I started it when I did, because we have to work towards changing the way this is happening. Um, if that went across governor's desk next year, he would veto it, because he's not going to give up that power of his ability to currently assign persons to that commission. So if you wonder what I'm doing in Olympia and why I'm having those conversations, because we talk about this stuff on the show, but talk is one thing, taking action is another, and I can't implore enough to everybody that tunes in to say, hey, you know, we can't just sit around and let them continue to do this stuff and not raise the question or come up with ideas. Go meet with your, go meet with your legislators, uh, senators, representatives, and have those discussions. It's healthy, it's educational, and it's the right thing to do if you are passionate about fishing and hunting. Also took opportunity to meet with uh, Representative J.T. Wilcox. He knew I was gonna be there in Olympia and he watches the show and I thank him for that, Representative Wilcox, for uh, tuning in from time to time. He likes what we're doing here. 
and he likes uh, the fact we have the conversation. He actually likes the fact that we're willing to talk about the political side of, of things. Uh, as we get through ledge session, the WDFW, uh, you know, how it's going to filter out once again what they get into their budget and how we're managing fisheries. And, of course, the big one that the Democrats in Olympia are introducing once again this year, and you need to pay attention to this, is gun control, right? Lots of bills coming out as of late for gun control. It was uh, being discussed on the floor the other day in the House of Representatives. Uh, J.T. Wilcox is all over on top of that as the... Uh, as the leader of the Republican Party there out of Olympia, even though it's the minority party, but he is the leader uh, currently recognized for the Republican Party in, in the House of Representatives. And so he has a lot to say in what's going on in the, uh, in the uh, House on the Republican side and kind of what their position is on these gun control grabs and, and how this really will affect us moving forward if this stuff is to pass, if you are a hobbyist and enjoy, you know, uh, assembling guns, shooting guns, and or passionate about hunting, the, the way they're writing these rules and laws and the way they're trying to get it in on a um, bill that, that they would hope from the other side to get passed is really or would really impact our ability as those who enjoy hunting. So there's a lot of things going on out there uh, happening right here down the street in Olympia. And these, these uh, senators and representatives are all over it. As we're in lead session, this sounds like it's going to be a long lead session yeah, well into April perhaps. So if you uh, see this stuff rearing its head, if you see it on social media, if you see Tommy and I talking about this, and we're going to bring in some guests. We're going to zoom in with some guests. We're going to get some of these uh, representatives and, and hopefully senators on the show to have these discussions. You guys need to be proactive about this. You need to fire off emails when it's appropriate. You need to ask the questions and you need to be involved because it takes an army to change direction in Olympia. There's a number of folks there that are on our side working hard for this. Unfortunately, at most of the time, as of late, they are the minority. And the current commission makeup that we have, we are stuck with for the next few years, I'm here to tell you. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any uh, reason or urgency, sense of urgency, to remove anybody that's currently appointed. Be very curious to see who the next two individuals will be appointed to the commission out of the governor's office coming up here in the very near future. So just a few of the things I've been kind of, you know, keeping tabs on, working behind the scenes, trying to stay on top of this stuff. Yeah, it provides content for us here at Fish Hunt Northwest to bring to you guys. But I also like to get educated, be informed on how this whole process works. And then at the end of the day, how it does really affect us, as I always like to uh, phrase it, if it's going to keep us off the water or out of the woods. We need to be there and fighting for our rights as citizens of this state. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I uh, appreciate all the comments and the, uh, the uh, information here tonight. Um, nice to get through the show, albeit missed uh, Tommy being here, as his insight's always, uh, always uh, just that, insightful. Uh, hey, we'll be back next Thursday, 6 p.m. Uh, Tommy should be here, as far as I know. So, uh, weather looks favorable. Rivers are dropping, man. Get out there, get some fishing done this week. Enjoy, be safe, and we'll see you next Thursday right here at Fish Hunt Northwest. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the Bait Lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page, 
at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.